Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. This is going to be a fun rip. But uh, yeah, so much stuff has happened in the last few weeks. It feels like every single week there's a massive list of important stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's it's fucking insane, dude. Like the it turns into it's just turned into a meme at this point like 2020 it's been like oh my god it's been so such a crazy week like how can we ever like talk about all of it and it's just like now you just have to expect that like what's gonna happen next week like what's gonna happen the week after that like what will the world look like in four weeks i have no clue yeah i mean if anyone could could guess i feel like they could make some money there's some real opportunity here well, but, are we um, not all in the crypto space because we generally know what we we generally think that we know exactly what's going to happen over the next year? I kind of feel like I do more. Or yeah. Less. So the founder of Snappa HQ, it's a graphic design firm out of Canada that is like one of the first companies to come out with like we got Bitcoin on our balance sheet, um, which I mean, is not that like amazing in perspective mm-hmm. of like there's a lot of small companies that have Bitcoin on their balance sheet at this point, like right. thousands probably. But uh, they came out and the CEO of it uh, tweeted this morning, like the uh, informational asymmetry between people that understand Bitcoin and crypto from those who don't is just absolutely unbelievable. It was like I was just on Bloomberg reading some awful take about why don't like why investing in Bitcoin is a bad idea. And it was just like like a completely laughable FUD piece. Uh, So, I mean, if that's still circulating and the majority of the world is still believing this, like that informational asymmetry is huge. And uh, I mean, we can expect profit, which is, you know, what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Like, if in this industry is moving so insanely fast, week on week on week, like, how can we expect anyone to like, understand it? Because like, when you go down that rabbit hole, it's, it's like trying to sink, sink your node to a really heavy blockchain. Like, well, the, the blockchain itself just keeps on propagating blocks and you're trying to catch up to the head, but like it's moving faster than you can you can take in. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. OK, so of those things that we're trying to sync with, which, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I guess like let's just talk about price, right? Like mm-hmm. we're seeing Bitcoin kind of go up right now. Ethereum, for the most part, kind of keeping up and then everything else is sideways to down. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things going down, especially in, in BTC terms. Um, well, what about legacy this, markets? What's legacy markets doing? Kind of going up. Um, I, just, I got a notification that Zoom's up big and I sold half my position, which I feel like an idiot now. Um, but I guess Zoom's been doing that to people this entire time. Hmm. Uh, we're the S&P's down 1.6% today. That sucks. But uh, over five days, it is also down. Is that right? I guess so. I don't so. have any S&P in my portfolio right now. But yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of hype stocks are down. Penn's yeah. down 8% today. DXY is down big today, which I That's think, which is interesting. Index. Yeah, which is a dollar ind- index, which like, you know, famously has been like the, uh, what we are inversely correlated to. Like when dollar goes down, Bitcoin goes up like pretty, pretty consistently, like kind of, kind of, eerie how consistent it is um but at the same point um you know stocks are still still at relative all-time highs uh but also you know what's bitcoin at like basically just right under 12 yep like it had a big day today in a yeah did have a big day today in a time frame 
in a time like being a, just just under twelve thousand dollars is like really close like comparatively speaking really close to like a bitcoin all-time high i think we've talked about this i, I think that too. is that is the all-time high there's yeah. been very little time spent above 14k for sure like yeah. and it really hasn't i don't know I, I remember it going from like 11k to 18k in a matter of four weeks so it's kind of hard to call yeah. that an all-time high right yeah and like and the thing is like now 10k feels like a floor and honestly so does 11k and but like so that that floor is like rising higher and higher and higher uh and yeah so, that's what but, you're calling but, the drum roll right yeah it feels like the, there's a drum roll going on in the crypto markets right because like you know i'm not a technical person or a chart person but like it, it seems to be like we are starting to like knock bitcoin's about to start like knocking down one thousand dollars like milestones like on a more regular basis like for, if it, it took it it battled for a while for 10k then it battled and now it's like battling to finish off what feels like the rest of 11k and then it's just going to be on to 12k but things are going to start like picking up and i i actually remember before uh i really like got into crypto um Josh Chenard, if you remember him from from school, uh, listeners won't know who that is. Um, would regularly post the hell out of him though. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Josh. Sorry, Josh. Uh, he he was like the first person who I would see like regularly mention Bitcoin on Facebook, and he was like, "Oh, Bitcoin just hit like 500, 600, 700, 800. and now it's like, okay, Bitcoin just hit eleven thousand, twelve thousand, thirteen thousand. I think like we're at that same kind of phase." Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of tough to tell, but at the same time, it, I mean, I don't know. It's just there's so much momentum, right? But there's just so much uncertainty, too. So uh, it, it's kind of hard yeah. to tell. Um, I think we're we're approaching that range, too. Bitcoin is going to take the path of, of most pain. And sometimes that is like Bitcoin makes a move up, Bitcoin slightly dips, and then altcoins rip super hard. I think like, and then alt altcoins like dive really hard bitcoin you know takes that next step up and then path repeats so um i feel like no matter what it, it's always going to be painful especially if you um you're not a professional trader yes this well one thing i was i was noticing that when i was looking at the bitcoin chart today is like the bitcoin chart just looks like a slow like lumbering beast like it and, and if you compare it to like the eth chart eth looks like this like the eth chart looks like this nimble zippy little i don't know like it looks zippy right it, it looks very very flexible and, and bitcoin's just like more it, liquid it, it, yes it, and it it, it it you have to zoom out to look at bitcoin on a to really understand the bitcoin chart where like with the eth chart i feel like you can you actually can zoom in and gain that contextual understanding um, and it's like, I guess I kind of characterizes to me, it kind of characterize characterizes also why DeFi tokens, you may, or, or like shit coins, anything below like, you know, a billion dollars in market cap. Those are even more like nimble or like volatile relative to ETH. And so like ETH is like oscillating around like the heaviest rock in the room. And then like crypto tokens oscillate around ETH or DeFi tokens. And so like, it's just like, it's just like, at that, at that point, it's just like DeFi tokens are just like noise to, to Bitcoin's like slow march. Yeah, I mean, and so I guess I want to kind of get your opinion now, because mm -hmm. not too long ago, you said 
you know, ETH is leading this, like mm. Bitcoin, what are you doing? But you mm -hmm. were also saying that it also feels like, you know, the Bitcoin chain is train is about to slingshot. So your analysis was completely right. Like, is there an ebb and flow? Like, like, what do you think is like driving this drum roll that you uh, that you're referencing? Right? Yeah, currently, this drum roll feels like very much macro COVID um, MMT presidential elections right now. Um, People, people are calling like the, the DeFi summers is over and we're all in, onto the Bitcoin fall. Uh, NLW on his podcast. Uh, Winter's coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, that's how he characterized it. And it just, to me, it, it seems to make sense. I don't think it, at all DeFi is like... It, it the summer like has a, been good for Ethereum though. 2016, 2017, yeah. those are mm -hmm. huge summers for ETH. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Um it's funny how cyclical this stuff is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's eerie how how cyclical it is. Um, uh, shit, what I was gonna say, I lost track. The DeFi summer, NLW talking about the fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, we, we have this, like large like experimental like su season in Ethereum, and now we're kind of like kind of integrating what we learned. But meanwhile, like the. And MMT is like maybe it's just what I'm listening to in podcasts and or what what I'm hearing about, but just it seems to be like MMT is the focus of everyone's like attention, like both inside of crypto and outside of crypto. So who's talking about MMT? Well, it it could just be straight up the bias of who, the content that I'm I'm listening to, but like when I see the presidential election, I see one party that wants to give a little bit of stimulus and money printing and another party that wants to give a lot. And either way, like we're printing money, right? Well, like either, then, either way is happening. Well, so, but there's actually a distinction. MMT and printing money are different. Yes, so the, yeah, the right. way that printing money happens mm -hmm. right now is there's there's two things that happen. There's, there's QE, which is what um, the Federal Reserve does with uh, fiscal policy, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of like, Think of that as like, that's like stimulus for big institutions and rich right. people. Sure. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then on the flip side, there's fiscal spending. So that's like money that's being spent in the economy. And that's mm -hmm. actually led by Congress. So like the checks going out, that was right. fiscal spending, um, adding on extra percentage onto unemployment, that's fiscal mm -hmm. spending. Um, so the way that fiscal spending happens right now is that there's also like debt associated with that spending. Right. So that's why they're right. saying we're running up the balance sheet, running up all this debt. Right. So mm -hmm. what MMT is saying is like, you don't have to offset it with debt. Right. You have the treasury. You can just mint coin. Mm -hmm. Like, so MMT has not happened yet in terms it, of you as, as in printing without offsetting debts. So that could happen. That could be the next thing. We don't know WTF that looks like. But what is happening is calls for spe for fiscal spending. So even right. Jerome Powell, the head of, of the feds, like we've done our job, like Congress, do your job and spend and improve something. Mm -hmm. So um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like what's happening. Just wanted to clear up that very specific right. distinction. MMT doesn't is, is a very specific kind of money printing. It's right. not just money printing, period. Right. But is there how like how much of a distinction actually is there like when we look back on this in like five, 10 years, right? Like does will that that distinction really matter? And is is one more particular, particularly bullish to Bitcoin versus another? Or 
you know, is it kind of a, to, to me, maybe it's just because I don't understand it, but it seems to be like a relative distinction without a difference. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, I think you're right. Like, but yeah, it's just, you, you are technically using the term. Te wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was conflating. MMP is really thing. not happening right now. Right. I mean, but yeah, in really terms blunt. of, yeah, in terms of government acting bad, spending out of their wits, mm -hmm. people wanting to opt into something that can't be manipulated, like well, that's happening. Period. No matter no matter which technique they use, per se. And and the the trap that I see that the money, whatever, who whoever, Congress or the Federal Reserve or whatever, the, the trap that I'm seeing is that like both both neither or any political party will get elected anymore without relief for citizens right without stimulus somehow and so it's just a matter of like what that number is and so politics is not you know fiscal conservative being fiscally conservative or fiscally liberal it's like how how liberal do we want to be with our money yeah right? no exactly that that shift has completely moved. right yeah, and you're yeah. the way you've characterized it. I completely completely agree with. Right, and and, and so like this, th therefore MMT or fiscal irresponsibility or you know whatever David's blunt tool of description he wants to think of, is here to stay. Like we are about we are about to be fiscally irresponsible, and that's because the people are going to demand it, right? Because like the on the other side of things, it's it's asset prices fall, which piss off the elite. It's, uh, you know, no jobs for the bottom or relief for the bottom for the 99%, which pisses off them. And there's already been civil unrest. So it's not like they need to fake any sort of just like, hey, we're unhappy. We're going to protest. Like that's, that's not, that's not something that is a, is a bluff uh, to say, to say that at the least. Uh, and, you know, like, and the, the economy is going to need to constantly be like, you know, nannied along. And so, like, I just don't see how we don't print Bitcoin into a billion dollar per coin. I just don't see yeah. how it happens. That, so that is Bitcoin Tina's argument. Like, right. if you if you listen to the four part series I did with him, is like, mm -hmm. no matter what, these governments have only one choice, and mm -hmm. that choice is to print. And that money is going to go into assets that are scarce. And look at the most scarce asset. But that was like, before COVID. So how did he have that thesis before COVID? Like a lot of Bitcoiners have been saying this for a while, and I want to know how they came to this before, like the context was even like appropriate for the quote unquote so, money printing that we're seeing now. Okay, well, it's because, and you're right, he nailed that. It was before COVID. Uh, we were using it as a promotional tool for Bitcoin 2020, which ended up getting canceled because of COVID. Rip. So, um, yeah, rip. But Bitcoin 2021 guys, tickets are still under. To, or they're still under 250 bucks so it's a good time to get them um but yeah so covid was not this black swan that wrecked everything like the system is it wasn't like the system was healthy and like covid was the black swan to the system the system was hyper 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 fragile right and any black swan was about to mm -hmm. make sure. shit go berserk mm -hmm. covid just happened to like really hit several places all at the same time, which was really crazy because it shut down normal businesses, which even during an economic recession don't normally get shut down. It made a lot of social unrest exacerbated because people were locked indoors. Uh, it shut down and attacked globalization and, uh, and our fragility, like from a supply chain perspective directly, like, the system was fragile on multiple levels and COVID hit it on every single level. 
So Bitcoiners, when they were calling for all this stuff, they were identifying that the system was fragile. Like they weren't, they weren't predicting what Black Swan was going to break it. They're just saying, look at this shit. Like it's fragile as hell. Like it's something's going to break it. It's not going to take much. And we know something's going to happen because something always does. So um, it just really blew up in a spectacular fashion, truly. And so the thesis was like, doesn't matter what there's like, of all crises that could happen, some crises is like crisis is like to, likely to happen, and therefore governments are going to print their way out of it. Like, how, how did they know that that was? What coming? other tool do they have? I mean, they could do nothing. They they have no way of creating income. Yeah, but they're not going to do nothing. Like you could just see from the social situation that that was already off the table. Right. Like, I, I guess that's why both parties being the party of print people. has been that way for a long time. Yeah. Like this isn't a new thing. This like this is predictable. Uh, this is predictable. I think I don't think it's either about the parties. I think it's just like centralized government has the commitment to print, commitment to command P. Yeah, I mean the sovereign individual talks about this too. He doesn't distinguish at all by the political party. He just right. says, you know, you are you are incentivized by growing government, and no matter what, you'll continue to see that because everyone who's a part of that organization is. Like what organization is not trying to grow? Like right. so, if it's a political organization, it's it's still trying to grow. Period. Right. Hmm. 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 Okay. So well, that compounds. Yeah, and and so you know, so we are now therefore in just the era of you know fiscal irresponsibility, money money printing, mm uh, mmt ppe whatever any any sort any sort of way or path to fiscal irresponsibility then we're going to do it not that that's an irresponsible thing the can do. down the road yeah that's a whole another argument yeah andrew yang would argue that it's the responsible thing to do yeah yeah which is interesting i'm having trouble like trying to balance my support for universal basic income and also just understanding that it's also going to uh, you know fiscal irresponsibility is going to end the system yeah well i mean i feel like MMT fiscal stimulus that happens. That's the final, like that, that, that's the long tail of stimulus, right? So if that's the part that you're like upset about, like you should have been upset way longer ago. Cause that's when the normal people finally get the fruits of the money printer. So to be honest, mm. like maybe that's how you can justify it is like, like at least <laughs> the normal people might get some of this. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm, that, that makes sense. Um, Bitcoin is probably cringing, but hey, it's good for my stats too, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Probably. All right, well, on, on the other side of things, China is airdropping money to their citizens with a central blockchain. I think is absolutely So wait, crazy. tell me more about the details on this, but also your internet is really choppy. I don't know if you can do something to fix that really quick. I mean, I could try and swap internets. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I have no idea if that's going to work or not. You need to get a wired in connection, bro. To the viewers out there, let us know if you like this content. Okay. Dave and I have been having a good time. I now have two bars out of four instead of just one. Am I okay. getting better? We went down to zero, so I don't know what that means. If that was your fault or not. I don't know, probably. Oh, I'm get three bars. All right, shall we continue? Okay, yeah, whatever. Are we just are we still streaming? 
just i'm gonna make sure we're still streaming oh i see zero people watching it yeah uh, it says eight people on twitter so it's just restream that's fucked up all right. okay all right keep going right. yeah let's keep going you're okay china china is airdropping money to its citizens with a central bank blockchain like the the west doesn't pay attention to china we don't follow what they do very well and they're like years at least a year ahead of us in terms of like centralized crypto blockchain digital ledger adoption yeah i mean so maybe the citizens aren't paying attention but the fed is i don't know if you uh, watched what jerome powell said this morning but he commented on what's happening in china and he strictly yeah he strictly said we don't need to be first we need to do it right china can do it first so he's not in a rush but they're thinking about it they're thinking about how do we use this technology yeah i mean China's already been ahead on electronic technology and they've already been ahead on quote unquote banking their entire population, right? Like getting their population registered with KYC and on some like intermediary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, I'm not, not surprised. Yeah. Like, is this good for them? Is this bad for them? Does this help Bitcoin? Hard to tell. Yeah. How like, do I don't they, know what yeah. the, I don't know the details. I've always thought that like, you know, central bank digital currencies are just a Trojan horse to Bitcoin, but I actually don't see how that's true because there's nothing about a central bank digital currency or a central bank ledger that is like materially different from like what you would use like Wells Fargo or Chase Bank to like access. Like, yeah, not, I mean, it's not like it's going to be like one Uniswap transaction away from Bitcoin. It's not like that. Yeah, no, like I exactly if it doesn't interoperate with crypto directly, or if there isn't Mm -hmm. like some like very liquid service that is making that work, then it's just in its own bubble. Like it's the same as WeChat dollars. It's just not on WeChat. Maybe it's just in a digital wallet with bare assets that are still, I mean, really what I see this is like CBDCs. It's not so much, I mean, I don't know what the necessarily implications for crypto, but what I think it is, is it's actually central banks attacking the commercial bank unit. Because yeah. now, like that, so it's like that socialization. Like now, they don't need Chase and Zelle and all that stuff. We can just have a centralized ledger. Everyone can have a direct account with us with this wallet technology. It scales mm-hmm. infinitely. We can deploy as many wallets as we want. We already right. can you know, do this KYC, whatever. Like... It just seems like they're just now they're like, let's just bypass that. And let's let's be the direct middleman. You know, Um, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Why? Yeah. No, that that makes that makes a ton of sense. And that's that's what I see, too. Um, My mind goes into like being really scared about like the level of control that offers um, because it's like it strips the free market out of it. Right. And so. Like we saw that a guy, that exchange operator from OK Exchange, got his like Huobi account. He just got like deleted from WeChat or whatever, um, probably by the Chinese government. We don't know if it was a OK Exchange related or not. Um, but I mean, if he was, if he also had like a Chinese central bank digital currency account, they could have deleted both his like WeChat account, which is basically his identity, and then his also his bank account, which is his money. Like just delete yeah. both of those things. And one of the things I'm also worried about with like that in the United States is like, well, there's that level of control. Not, not that United States would express it to that full consent, uh, uh, to that full extent. I, I, but it I, would don't, still... I think they would. 
hold on. Um, they wouldn't, maybe they would, but they could, they have the option to, uh, and, and then, and then there's also the conversation of just like, if we are going into this UBI world where there's stimulus direct to the people of the, of a country like that UBI therefore turns into a tool of compliance, right? Like if you, if you are caught pro protesting, you don't get your UBI. Like if your face gets scanned one mile away from a protest by our facial scanner, oh, yeah. you don't yeah, get your yeah. UBI on your central, well, on your federal reserve bank account. I've seen like little cards that describe kind of like this, the, how the Chinese credit score system works right now. And it's already kind of like that. Maybe they don't directly affect your money or your UBI payment. But they're, but it's like you can't you get more expensive train tickets, like you get throttled internet speeds. Like all of this is like based off of like surveillance cameras everywhere and people ratting you out and all this kind of stuff. Like essentially like mass scale, you know, mind control, like technology enabled mind control. It's really totalitarianism. And like if you think about there's nothing more um, just evil than a like a UBI dependent society mm -hmm. because if you have no way of getting ahead without pleasing the person that's just the hand that feeds you that mm -hmm. hand that's giving you the UBI to make it to the next day like it, it just complete dependence uh, mm -hmm. on them from like this very essential thing which is like getting ahead in the world and being able to make money and earn and grow and get and compete if everyone has that UBI ticker and you don't, and all the other money is kind of like deteriorating value over time, it just, it feels so evil to me. And it feels like totalitarian. That's how you control people. Right. It's like you make them dependent on you. Right. Have you read that book, um, A Wrinkle in Time? It's a children's book. I should have, but no. Okay. Uh, it's a famous movie too, right? Uh, it's a movie no. that came out that apparently the, the movie butchered it. I never read the, okay. read the, uh, but it, it's oh. a, it's a 70, 60, 70s, uh, children's book that has a comment commentary on, on, uh, uh, totalitarianism basically. Um, and like this girl, this little girl's trying to go save her father who's been captured by, she doesn't know who, and she arrives on this planet. And on this planet, there are like rows and rows of houses that lead up to like the place that she has to go fantasy book uh and like the every house is identical and there's like a little girl bouncing a ball inside of, in front of every single house and every single ball is bouncing at the same rhythm and like one girl is struggling to bounce the ball with the same rhythm as everyone else and so her mom like grabs her and pushes her into the house so she won't be seen like not bouncing the same the ball at the same time as everyone else and then and then she gets to the violet the main character gets to like the central like government of the whole country and it's like one single massive brain like that's what I think of when I see like a central bank that is making sure that we are behaving in order to get our UBI or not. That's what, yeah, that's no. what I think of. That's a great visualization. And it's like, it's essentially the opposite of why we think open source works. Like, like mm -hmm. the opposite of how I think Bitcoin works. And it's obviously the opposite of how friggin' the Ethereum ecosystem works. Because mm -hmm. like, even I would consider the Ethereum ecosystem to be like, Mm -hmm. just so insane and just like randomness chaos mm -hmm. um and like i think like that's why i'm a capitalist i think like chaos and incentives and individuals trying to figure things out is the best way to move forward and i think right. that one person kind of pulling the strings and altering reality and making people march in certain directions mm -hmm. like that may or may not work depending on how smart that one person is and odds are 
just not smarter than the the cloud or the hive or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just like I just don't think that the world works that way, and that's not the most effective way to organize. Yeah, to to keep to keep on that metaphor, like a business is something that is able to produce a structure amid amidst chaos, right? Like the free the free market is itself chaos, right? That is the embodiment of chaos. And then you build a business. And if your business produces value, it creates structure out of that chaos, right? Mm -hmm. But there's no way to build a structure when you are inside of this totalitarian larger structure, right? You can't build a structure when there's already a structure, like there's no room, yeah. there's no more room. If you're boxed there's, in, there's no chaos for you to build a structure inside of, right? Like it's already built. And so you don't get to do anything. And that's totalitarianism. Like the structure is already built. Yeah, that's just centralization. That's mm -hmm. top-down decision making. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if you're hella woke, like I'm sorry, mm -hmm. but you know, hella woke and still redistributing and and closing down market activity is not going to have a good outcome. Like right. even if you have the best intentions. So um, that's kind of uh, Ryan from from Bankless asked me this question today after uh, what's the the coin join the Bitcoin coin join service got got taken down by the FinCEN or whatever for violating the Bank Secrecy Act coin ninja or whatever. Um, and so he, well, he asked me that, that that's a it's not coin join. That's a, like a mixing service. Right. Coin specific, join is, is specifically non custodial where okay. the mixing is custodial. Oh, OK. OK, yes. Yeah. It was a custodial one, right? Centralized, like not, yeah, yeah. not, not a protocol. Um, and so he asked me, like, like how much of a to to what percentage is the United States like totalitarian versus China? If like China is a hundred percent, like what is the United States? I said forty to fifty percent. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a super super sneaky fifty to sixty percent. Ooh, interesting. Like China is in your face, like mm -hmm. probably. And here's the interesting thing is China is super totalitarian, but from a global perspective, they allow their citizens to be pirates, you know, mm. like their citizens are in Venezuela, their citizens are like, they're like, they're really global pirates. Um, so it's kind of a different situation, whereas the hmm. US is like, maybe internally you have more freedoms, like, there's a lot of like more sinister, like the surveillance is more behind the back doors, like working with companies instead of mm -hmm. like directly in your face. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like the U.S. is pretty totalitarian. Uh, pretty, it, it it's a very large surveillance state at this point, in my opinion. Hmm. And like Americans, like you know, they're the ones who can't do business with these people and can't do business. Like right. you know, us doing business with people is weaponized for America, which is very different attitude than China. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that there's a, a case that you can make that's like 50 or 60%. Yeah, but it's, it's like super round, like it's hard. It's sneaky to, though. It's yeah. a sneaky 50%. Yeah. It's like, it's the, it comes in from like, I'm assuming you're referencing like things like Google or Amazon or, or it's tech, right? It kind of sneaks in through tech, which is under or, the guise of the or we're locking this, Or we're locking this thing down for justice, you know? Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, right. encroaching. And, and that's kind of where, like, I think this whole this whole fiscal monetary conversation goes to is like MMT, uh, you know, fiscal irresponsibility, like money printing, all all that corner of the world is just like moving makes things move towards like the totalitarian end of the spectrum. I agree. Yeah. And and crypto is the opposite force. Yeah. Like Cur it's literally the ultimate counterforce that we needed. Mm hmm. How would you vet the statement that like 
Bitcoin is like the complete inverse or the complete like diametric, diametric, diamet being diametrically opposed to MMT. Like if there's one thing that Bitcoin is, is like the absolute opposite of whatever MMT is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would say that MMT is kind of hinged on this idea that we can come up with the right models and we can distribute funds appropriately. Mm -hmm. And there is like there are economists and lawyers and uh, smart, educated people mm -hmm. that with the right tools can do the right job. Mm -hmm. And Bitcoin is is completely hinged on no rulers. Mm -hmm. There's a completely merit based way of distributing coins and there's a strict hard cap. And that is un is just completely non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. And even if you wanted to negotiate, you couldn't coordinate everyone together in a way that you could, you know, to negotiate it. It's like it's right. it's it's organizing without organizing. Right. Like that's what proof of work blockchain does. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, how do you feel about that? And like maybe you can even go as far as like including Ethereum into that because Ethereum some it's somewhere it's in the middle to, to right. some degree. Well, in the middle of of being able to coordinate, yes, but but not not at all relevant, I would say, to the conversation of like MMT. Ethereum is mostly adjacent to that to that conversation. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. But whatever, um, just like how how do you feel? Yeah, that 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 makes sense. That is an interesting perspective to think of, like the structures uh, that would surround an MMT is like turned inside out and inversed in Bitcoin. Um, it is the opposite, as far because MMT is like. Right. Structured on centralized decision making and big right. is like structured on eliminating that as an option. Right. Yeah. And I think that's interesting that like kind of why I asked the question is like when you inverse MMT, you in my mind, it's or it's yeah, in my yeah, mind, you, you, you could get like a hard capped uh a hard capped currency that is closer to gold than it is like paper, paper money. So I mean in Here's here's the interesting thing is like, um, how what what happens next, right? Like, you know, how now that this thing that is the opposite of MMT exists, like, mm -hmm. what do you do with it? And mm -hmm. how do do people interact with it directly? Like, do people build synthetic things on top of it? Like, I don't know. There's, it, I feel like the world is kind of like this playground, and I don't know. Like, maybe even Bitcoin can enable some sort of MMT. Like, we just don't know. Like what if what if I don't, what if there's a world where there's a a reputable organization that had a shitload of BTC that you mm -hmm. knew was going to reliably appreciate over time and they were issuing bonds against it, like or or they were in issuing coinage or or some sort of mint against it, like who knows? Hmm. Like maybe that organization is decentralized, maybe it's centralized, maybe it's associated with a physical resource, like it's very difficult to see how this stuff's going to shake out. Like you can kind of look back in history and see like, you know, you guys in Bankless say we're going out West. So in other moments where people are going out West, how did the pirates organize? Like if, if that's kind of adjacent to what we're going through right now, like how's that going to work out? So, I mean, like, do you know, you know, you got to look up the history of, uh, of, uh, Cantillon. Uh, mm. I think what Richard Cantillon um, like he invented like one of the first org organizations and sold share and like printed shares, like Ponzi them essentially. 
um, into uh, and then like short sold them and bought gold with it and like dumped on people and like rinsed and repeat multiple times. Like there's a reason why like stuff is named after him. Um, and it, like, <laughs> Sounds like a fun it, story. Yeah, no, the it, it, it's worth looking into, but um, like just history repeats and rhymes. And we were just talking about how cyclical Bitcoin and crypto is like on a year to year basis, but like the world is cyclical right. you know, on a decade basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably, probably even greater than that, like on a century basis as well. So cycles after cycles after cycles, which uh, kind of reminds me of what we were talking about with how like DeFi tokens oscillate around ETH and ETH also, also oscillate, oscillates around, around BTC. And BTC also oscillates around USD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. Like maybe Bitcoin probably won't like that, but it oscillates around something there's all there's always something bigger to oscillate around at the end of the day you you it's kind of like when you click on the very first link of any single wikipedia page you always end up as at philosophy fun fact if if you haven't learned that that's a fun fact about wikipedia um but yeah there's always something bigger to, to oscillate around and ultimately you end up just getting back to like you know the universe so uh, I want to end this. I want to kind of get a uh, an up to date. I like to to get to get my ETH news from you, uh, mm-hmm. just because there's a lot of fud out there, and it's easy for a Bitcoiner to like like negative shit about ETH. Okay, so <laughs> like you know, I, I like to just you know uh-huh. get what you're feeling to uh, to see you know what's what's closer to reality here. So okay. what's the status on ETH 2.0? It sounds like people are optimistic that mm-hmm. uh, the deposit contract for to transfer from Ethereum one to Ethereum two is, is coming and right. going to be on LiveNet soon. Well, you know, what, what's your take? Okay, so I, I think actually I, I want to start this conversation off with what with Danny Ryan's ETH Online uh, twenty to twenty two minute presentation on Ethereum two point and then kind of the the misnomers of understanding it, which I'll, I sh- probably should admit that maybe I was in that this group of people that made this mix up, but I think I it, it's kind of hard to vet my opinion after I've watched the video, but like ETH1 to ETH2, not separate blockchains, not separate at all, different parts in a technological stack that Danny it describes, right? And so for the deposit contract is for people who want to hop tracks early but the tracks converge at the end of the day anyways, right? And so um, it's it, calling it like we're lo- like bailing off of one blockchain onto another blockchain doesn't really describe things accurately at all, right? And so Ethereum 1 ends up just like kind of rolling into Ethereum 2, right? It turns like, so like Ethereum 2 is like the 64 shard unit around a new consensus layer, a new consensus system, like stripping out where, where they were like putting in proof of work, we're putting putting in like a, another EVM, and then we're making that run. And then ETH1 is going to slide into a shard next to all the other 63 shards that surround this thing, right? And so like ETH1 is going to get docked into ETH2. And then there's one moment where we like Indiana Jones, the consensus from proof of work to proof of stake, right? And Indiana Jones is like that that scene where he's like got the the bag of sand and he's trying to steal the golden idol from like the the lost tomb, and so he tries to put the bag of sand on the golden idol at the and pull the golden idol off at the same time. We're gonna do that with our consensus engine, right? Um, but there is no like for for people that just want to like buy ether, hold it in their wallet, and and receive 
ether when it's proof of stake ether that's all you have to do like no one actually no one actually has to leave ethereum one because ethereum one just will become ethereum two because it's getting docked into the whole system so yeah but so a certain amount has to move into ethereum two to start yes um, all that yes. stuff right like yes so it is necessary for people to get on that it is an important step yes. like okay yeah. but i can understand that distinction and to be honest that indiana jones moment sounds horrifying but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes i'm sure even that characterization i'm sure the ethereum developers would be like no no it's not even like that it's like yeah this, but yeah you know, it's, it's it's a good illustration and like what what the d developers are doing is they are building the ship around the smaller ship like so we're, we're an airplane in flight and we are building a rocket while we are flying the airplane right uh but we never actually like you know, pull the trigger until we've already tested it, right? So every single thing, the reason why there's three phases is that we can break up big changes and then test them and iterate them and bite-sized chunks before we hop onto that phase and, you know, build that part of like the bigger, bigger ship. And then once that's built, we can build off the next part, right? Um, but everything gets test tested along the way. So like, there's not even, there's not any sort of like, you know, failure moment or failure event. It's just like, it's just ready. Like the, the new part of the ship is ready. There's no, never ever like a big red button moment. All right. So how do you feel about where they're at right now? Right. And okay. So about that, that stage in, uh, about that stage in uh, the series of events that you have just described. Right. Okay. So the, the last dry run for a deposit contract was like, I, I think it's completed as of today. Um, I don't, I don't pay attention too granularly in detail, which means like, and some people in my circles are just like waiting on the edge of their seat for the announcement of a deposit contract date. Um, and so that's kind of like people who are really paying attention to Ethereum 2.0. That's what they're doing right now. They are waiting, they're checking Twitter, waiting for a deposit contract date to get like announced. Um, on the Vitalik podcast that Bankless put out today, Vitalik, uh, guesstimated that phase one rolls out in 2020. Rather than 2021, I asked that question directly. Uh, Danny Ryan is coming on the Bankless AMA on th Thursday. On Thursday, where we will be asking him much more in-depth questions about what the fuck's going on. Uh, and so, you know, things are are looking like it's going to happen in 2020, and we're about to, you know, go directly to the source on Thursday with that. All right. Well, excited to hear the update. Mm -hmm. I tend to uh, take it all with a grain of salt, but we'll see. As you should. Yep. All right. Should we wrap this up? Let's wrap this up. You guys can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. Christian? You guys can follow me at CK underscore Snarks. And uh, make sure to share this if you like it. We really appreciate it. And uh, it still means a lot to us when we get those shares. Shaka. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>